Welcome to the Thrive TV Show with Lauren Parsons, helping you boost your health, energy, and productivity. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Thrive TV Show. My name is Lauren Parsons. I'm your host today, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Rebecca Holmes from the Ship Shape Shop. It's a bit of a tongue twister. So good to have you here, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me here, Lauren. It's lovely to be here. Lovely. And we are talking about a wonderful topic of clutter versus productivity. So I know there'll be a lot of people interested in this topic. So we're going to talk about how international research has proven the link between clutter and stress and productivity, how clutter shows up in your life to derail your productivity, and a simple tip that you can use to help boost your productivity at the start and end of every day. So I'm looking forward to that, Rebecca. Before we get into all of that, I just want to ask you some of my this and that questions. So are you ready Ooh, for um, a round? Yes, I am. All right, so tell me, cake or chocolate? Oh, cake. Cake, okay, nice. Flats or heels? Flats. Flats, mm, comfy, good. Football or basketball? Basketball. Okay. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Visit the aquarium or the zoo? Zoo. Okay, nice. Magazines or newspapers? Magazines. Mm-hmm. Visit India or Greece? Greece. Okay. Monopoly or chess? Oh, Monopoly all day long. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And last one, indoors or outdoors? Outdoors. Outdoors person. Okay, nice. So Rebecca Holmes is the organisational mastermind behind the Ship Shape Shop, a regular on Magic Talks, radio, DIY experts program, and as seen on the AM show and the cafe, Rebecca has gained a reputation for her empathetic judgment-free approach and realistic solutions for everyday Kiwis clutter problems. So it's lovely to have you here. So just tell us a bit about what it is that you do. How do you help people with their clutter? Perfect. So I help busy people feel less stressed at home. So I go into their homes and I help them declutter their belongings and reorganize the stuff that they want to keep. Um, and that's really it. I get roll up my sleeves. I get really hands-on and um, I really love helping people decide what they want to keep decide what they want to get rid of and then make use of the things that they actually do want to keep so that they're not sitting amidst clutter and feeling stressed out by it. Mm -hmm. That sounds amazing. It sounds really rewarding and really fun, but also challenging at times, I'm sure as well. So tell us, you mentioned that there's a real link between clutter and stress and productivity. Can you tell me about that? Yes, absolutely. So at the end of last year, I started thinking, okay, it can't just be me. I know there are lots of professional organisers in the world, but it can't just be me that's banging on about the link between clutter and stress and procrastination. Um, so I started to do a deep dive and what I found was really interesting. So there are research projects that go back to as early as 2002 was the earliest that I found looking at clutter and how it impacts our sense of well-being and our um, and our stress levels. So that was a really interesting study. Actually, it was done in the States and it was a photographic study of people's homes and um, the clutter that people live with. So it's really fascinating to me that it goes back that far, 18 years worth. That's really interesting that it's, that clutter has been a problem for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And why is um, it that clutter is so stressful? Like when you walk into a room and you see that clutter, I mean, I know my take on it, but what, what would you say? Why is it so stressful? Um, it's, it's really interesting and it's totally subjective. So 
I always like to say that if you think about a room um, that's filled with clutter, it's filled with treasures, that would be incredibly stressful for someone with a more minimalist aesthetic. They're going to walk in and immediately feel claustrophobic in that room. Um, but for someone with a more maximalist aesthetic, they're going to find that really joyous and really lovely. So for me, it's less about the things in the room and more about the kind of unplanned stuff that crops up. Um, so, for example, you walk into a room and there's paper piled up or there's a pile of books or there's dishes on the, um, on the kitchen bench as you walk in. That immediately is going to trigger a sense of stress, um, depending on where you sit on the get stuff done kind of spectrum. Um, that is, it's going to have an impact on our stress levels just because it sends a little ping to our brains going, oh, there's something to do that needs to be done. And it's very, very difficult to relax in that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like the. It's interesting that you talk about there's a continuum, perhaps, of get stuff done. Like some people will walk in and go, "Oh, I've got to get those dishes done," you know, before I can start cooking, before I can do anything else. So I guess we're yeah. all affected differently. But I know certainly it's something that I've shared for years as well. That feeling of being able to walk into your kitchen, have the kitchen bench clear, or walk into your office, have your office yeah. desk clear, totally transforms how you can work, doesn't it? So do you That's do a exactly lot of right. helping people with their workspaces, like their desks in particular? I do a little bit. Um, I have done some work in people's home offices, but honestly, it tends to be the living spaces. It tends to be those common areas that people want to relax in, that um, they... They're, they're triggered almost by the clutter that's around them. So those are the spaces that I spend most time in. I absolutely can do offices. Um, but it's actually been really interesting while we've been in lockdown, Lauren, because there have been more and more inquiries because people are forced into that working from home situation. Um, yes. And there have been a lot more people that are wanting to make those spaces feel more streamlined and feel more productive. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. So how is it that clutter builds up in our day-to-day lives? Oh, I would love to tell you a little story if I can run through a little anecdote. Um, So imagine that you've come home from work um, and you've had a long day, you're tired and you walk into the kitchen and there is a pile of paper. There's a pile of stuff on the bench. So I call this pile up and it's um, universal. It's a universal phenomenon. I've never seen a house with a client that I've gone to work with that doesn't have a little pile somewhere. Um, But anything can be in that pile. It might be... um, schoolwork from the kids it might be a book that you've borrowed for someone it might be unopened mail it might be opened mail uh, but it's sitting there on the bench and you come in after a long day and you look at the bench and go oh I can't be bothered dealing with that before I cook dinner so I'm going to order takeout so there's just one little way that it can um that it that it starts imagine that same person then um they have what I like to call a cupboard of doom. So it's a cupboard somewhere in the house where they shove all of the things that they don't know what to deal with, what to do with them. Um, so that might be um, a bag that you don't really want, but it feels too good to chuck away into the cupboard of doom. It might be a box of stuff that you've ordered and you don't quite have a place to put it yet into the cupboard of doom. And while you're putting things into the cupboard of doom, you might start to have a realisation that you're walling in your vacuum cleaner and your ironing board. And you go, oh, but it's okay. I'll deal with that before it gets to a point where I can't reach the vacuum cleaner or the ironing board anymore. And then you have three flat out weekends in a row and all of a sudden you look in the cupboard of doom and it starts to feel a little bit unsafe and they're like, this is a major issue. I'm really (laughs) going to have to, it's going to be an event to deal with it. So then you Mm -hmm. get into this kind of double-edged sword of procrastination. Do you use dealing with the cupboard of doom as a reason to stop doing something else that's more 
important and should have a higher mm-hmm. priority. Like if you've got a work project that you need to get done and instead you go, mm, I'd rather deal with the cupboard of doom. So that's <laughs> one way that the procrastination can work. The flip side of that is that you can avoid doing the vacuuming and doing the ironing because you look in the cupboard of doom and go, mm, nope, stressful and close the door on it. So mm-hmm. continuing with the same story, next day you get up to go to work and you can't find the top that you want. And then you remember it's in the pile of ironing and you can't get to the ironing board because it's in the cupboard of doom. So already you can see that in the scenario, you're getting all of these little fires to the brain going stress, stress, stress. And this is one of the things that research has shown that people that live with um, constant clutter and disorganization, they have increased levels of cortisol throughout the day. So it doesn't decrease during the day. It stays constant and sometimes it spikes and rises, which is not what we want our bodies to be doing. Um, so in the scenario, again, you can't find that top. Cool. You go and find a different top. You'll be, you go downstairs, you've got bare feet, you're going to get your shoes and you realize the carpet feels a little bit crunchy and you go, Oh my goodness, when was the last time I actually vacuumed? And then straight away, you're starting off your work day thinking, okay, at the end of today, I have to do the ironing. I have to vacuum. So you're already kind of distracted from the work tasks that you need to get done during the day by the clutter and the things that you need to deal with at home. One final example of this, you then go out to your car, you're already running late because of the top incident, and then you realise that your registration's expired. And you go, oh my goodness, where is that? It's in the pile on the kitchen bench. Go back inside, rifle through it, try to find it, can't find it. Drive to work feeling like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get a ticket at any second. So you arrive at work frazzled, distracted, there goes your productivity for the day because your brain is trying, rather than going on to focus on your work tasks, your brain's trying to remember things and say, okay, don't forget, you need to pay the registration. You need to find it when you get home and pay the registration. Then you need to vacuum. Then you need to do the ironing. And you're feeling like, okay, cool, I can get that. You have a long day. You're not productive. You finish the day stressed. You get home and guess what you see? You see the pile on the bench again and that loop starts again and again and again and that's just an example of how clutter can go from being a physical thing in our lives to taking up emotional and mental space and this is the reason that I'm so passionate about helping people deal with that clutter so that it doesn't take up the space up here which is much better used for more enjoyable things. Absolutely yeah I think there's a lot of people that can relate to that you know perhaps not that exact story but things like that and you know the pile I love the idea of the cupboard of doom and I think of it as the pile of doom Someone taught me years ago that, you know, it's those horizontal piles where things are just stacked one on top of the other and you you have no idea what's really in there. And and like you say, it becomes a bigger task than obviously what it was at first, perhaps just to put away a couple of pieces of mail to fold them away. Now it's got, you know, school reports and books and things to return and things you want to read. And it's all mixed in there. You don't know quite what's what. And and one of the keys that I was taught years ago was always fold things vertically so you can then find things a little bit easier and and I guess have systems so that you're not falling into these traps and getting bogged down having these things weighing on you so what are some of your top tips for people that are experiencing any of these issues clutter building up in areas what are some of the you know basics things that you recommend to start with so one of the research projects that I found so this is research backed science backed Uh, they found that people that live with clutter have a difficult time transitioning from space to space. So that might be from your workspace to your home space, even if your workspace is out of the home. Um, So they found that by spending five minutes, just five minutes at the end of every day, um, 
decluttering and tidying that space. So talking about, let's just imagine we're talking about a work desk. You finish your day at work and you go, okay, cool. I'm just going to do a quick five minute burst. I'm going to put everything back where it goes. I'm going to make a quick list of things that I want to tackle tomorrow morning. And then I'm done. And you can walk out of there feeling with your mind at rest because you know what you're tackling tomorrow. And you know that um, the desk is not going to be a bombsite to greet you in the morning. So that's science back. That's Princeton University study from 2011. A burst of decluttering or tidying um, is shown um, through brain scans and everything to have an increased ability for us to pr uh, process information and um, focus on things, which is awesome. So there's that little productivity boost. And then the flip side, you do that again when you come home. So um, let's just say if you do see that pile of paper on the bench, you do a quick little five minute zhuzh, 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 and then you're ready to go. And automatically you've made that transition from the workspace to the home space um, and just allows you to focus and relax. And when we get home, what do we want to do? We want to focus on our families and the people that we're in the home with. Um, so that little burst of tidying is going to help us do that. Mm -hmm. So it's that little and often doing a little yep. bit that five minutes every day rather yep. than, oh, I'll get onto that on the weekend, I'll get onto that on the weekend. And That's I think exactly that, it. You know, we, my husband and I, he's really keen on always having the kitchen really clear, like a kitchen bench clear, which I love as well. Although he can also sometimes be one of the cockroaches that leaves things from time to time. And, you know, the other yeah. day there was this <laughs> random um, bathroom caddy, like shower caddy. And I was like, why is this on the kitchen bench? He said, oh, well, it was in the drawer in our bathroom and we never use it. And I said, so you put it here on the kitchen bench. <laughs> we had a good laugh about it. He was like, yeah, I was still in the process of figuring out where to put it. And I think that's the tricky thing sometimes, isn't it? When you're, when you're trying to figure out what to do with something, if you're trying that's to exactly do a really it. good yeah. declutter, you've got to figure out where it's going to go. So let's imagine if someone is wanting to declutter a specific area, let's say, and they've actually got, you know, they're setting aside a couple of hours or half a day. Perfect. Is there a process that you work through with people or that you recommend a few steps to help someone declutter an actual area? Yeah, that's, that's, I do. And you've really hit the nail on the head already. It's have a plan of where the stuff is going to go. So the easiest way to do that is have um, bag, start off with bags rather than starting off with piles because then it's like you're touching things once and you're not going to be second guessing yourself. So mm -hmm. let's just imagine you've got a bag or a box for the stuff that's broken. It's not fit for purpose. No one's going to want that. You wouldn't give it to a friend. That's always my line in the sand. If you wouldn't give it to a friend, you shouldn't give it to an op shop or a charity shop. Um, so that needs to go in the dump or the rubbish pile box bag. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you have a donate pile bag box uh, of things that are good enough that you would loan to your best friend um, so those are good enough then to donate and then you've got your things that you want to keep so as you're handling every single item and the only way to do it let's imagine you're doing your bathroom um, you have to pull everything out of the cupboards you can't kind of look in there and go oh I'll just keep that you've got to physically touch things because then you can kind of give bottles a shake and go oh, there's not much left of that I might as well just pull that down the sink and then get rid of that um, and put them straight into the rubbish, donate, keep boxes, and you're only handling things once then. So what I know happens, if you just start with piles, and you put something into the donate pile, when it comes time to put it into the donate bag, automatically you go, oh, hang on, I actually like this. I do like this. You yeah. <laughs> in that initial decision that you made. Uh, so putting it straight into the bag where you can no longer see it is kind of mission critical. Um, once you've finished your decluttering, you've got your bag all bagged up uh, for the dump, bag bagged up for the donate, get it out of the house straight away. Do not let it sit in a cupboard of doom. Don't let it languish in the garage. 
as soon as you possibly can, you need to get it out and take it to its final resting place because the same thing will happen if it's sitting in the garage, sitting in the cupboard of doom. Um, someone, some well-meaning person, especially if you live in a home with people who have a tendency to want to hold on to things, they're going to find that bag and they're going to be curious and go, oh, and they're going to find all those good enough things and pull them back out of the bag and you'll find them back in your home. And then we find ourselves on the hamster wheel and doing the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yes, I can relate to that. I agree with that totally. Get it out as soon as you can. What would you say to people that are finding it hard with that process of letting go of things that they maybe are going to use one day, maybe repair, could be handy, could come in useful, just not sure how to let go of it? What would you say there? Yeah, it really comes down to um, rarity. So I call these people the just-in-cases. They tend to be probably um, in my parents' age group, age brackets, so between 60, 70, and they've probably grown up with people, with parents um, that came out of depression or war era, and they're used to holding on to things. Um, I've worked in a number of older people's homes when they've been downsizing, and the tendency to hold on to things, because that's the way it used to be, you had to hold on to things, you never knew when you'd need something, and there was a real issue of scarcity. We don't have that same issue of scarcity now. So if it's something rare, if it's something you are confident you'll never be able to find again, if you if something breaks or you want to replace it, then that's something that you should keep. But if it's something that honestly, like a packet of rubber bands, <laughs> you could go down to warehouse stationery or Wickles and buy another packet of rubber bands. There is literally no point in keeping that. That's one that's great for the donate box and send it off to a charity store. So just have a think about the rarity and the scarcity of an item. And if it's really something you could easily get your hands on, then it's worth letting go. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on the move towards minimalism? I noticed you mentioned people being minimalists or maximalists before. What are your thoughts on on the movement towards minimalism, having less stuff? I think it's wonderful, um, but I'm not a minimalist. That's not my goal. Uh, And I think if you aren't born that way, I think that's an incredibly challenging transition to make. I think it's noble, but I think that if you're someone who likes to have things around you, I'm one of them. I love collections. Um, It's very, very hard to let things go. And you're setting up, you're setting yourself up for those feelings of failure. If you can't move towards the minimalistic lifestyle. Um, I think that again, there's a spectrum of minimalism. Um, So if you can be at the kind of, the easy end of minimalism, then it's a great objective. People absolutely can live with less. And I'm very, very interested in anecdotally people that have lived in lockdown and have gone, hang on, we've got so much stuff. And this is the classic example of when we would need all this stuff because we're inside for a long period of time and going, whoa, we don't need all this stuff actually. Mm-hmm. So there's a really, I, th- I think there'll be a really interesting movement Um, in the next kind of few months of people starting to shed a little bit more and feel like they're ready to after being stuck in the house with all of that chaos and clutter for such a long time. Mm -hmm, Absolutely, yeah. And so what would you say to someone that's perhaps listening and thinking, oh, I really would like to declutter my garage or the shed or one of those non-high-use areas potentially where things tend to build up? Are there any suggestions you have specifically as a plan of attack to get that started? The main thing that I can recommend is actually time-based. So don't think that you're going to tackle a garage in a day or a weekend. 
um, you will lose focus, you will lose motivation, you will lose the will to live at some point. It's a really big job. Um, and there will, be a, there will be a feeling that you're just shuffling things around. So with the garage, with a big project like that, where there are, by nature, lots of fiddly little bits and pieces in there, um, only plan to spend maximum three hours, absolute maximum of three hours at a time, and think that this is going to be more a month-long process. And I'm going to tackle it by taking little chunks of the elephant at a time. Um, if you are a confident declutterer, then go straight for the three-hour goal. If you're not confident, if this is something that you're just starting out doing, start out with 30 minutes. I'm very serious about that. 30 minutes, set a timer, put some music on, and then you'll start to dip. So it's just like anything where you're learning a new skill or you're building a new muscle. Uh, there'll come a point where you get fatigued, and it's earlier the newer you are to it. So after 20 minutes, perhaps, if you're new to decluttering, you will start to lose interest. And that's where the timer becomes your best friend because you'll look down and go, okay, I've got 10 more minutes. I can do this. Push through, finish the job. No matter where you are, finish it, shut the garage door after 30 minutes and then go, great, I did a good job today and I'm keen to work that muscle again tomorrow and spend another 30 minutes. And then just continue building and stretching yourself. But I think that's the biggest problem, uh, the biggest mistake that people make when they go on a decluttering mission is they think they're going to do it in one weekend. And then they can't. It's boring. It's boring work if you're doing it all day, every day, in your downtime. It's not, you're not letting your body rest and recharge. So set a timer. That's great. Yeah. And I think uh, chunking it down like that, like picturing I'm not going to be able to do the whole garage, but maybe I'll just sort through these unopened boxes since we moved house, or I'm going to sort out the camping gear or the whatever it is, the seasonal decoration things. It's interesting if we can chunk yep. it down and how much more manageable it seems. And one of the other tips That's that I exactly share is, is, like what you said, is put the music on, get yourself in the right mindset and picture that satisfied feeling of completion. Picture how amazing it's going to be once it's done to kind of switch on your internal motivation to get started. And then on the practical yep. side, I often recommend getting all the things that you need, like get a couple of big cardboard boxes so you can have the throw away the giveaway pile kind of like what you said so that's ready and I love that little tip about having that ready so you're not double handling which gives you that chance to think oh but maybe I'll just keep this one yeah what yep, about that's the, exactly the common challenge of wardrobes clothing accessories jewelry all of that it's kind of the same actually as a garage so I work in categories so when if, if, if you, you just broke it down perfectly with the garage example, I'm going to deal with um, these boxes that I haven't unpacked. That will be a category or the camping gear. That's a category. And that is another way of kind of putting a little perimeter around what you're going to tackle in, in the time that you have allocated. Um, and it's exactly the same with the wardrobe. So if you don't have someone like me there with you and I can, I've, I've got all my techniques and strategies to keep you focused and go boom, boom, boom to get that job done in a few hours. Uh, if you don't have someone there, then perhaps just decide that you're going to work on T-shirts and tops and work on one category at a time. Uh, the big thing when doing a wardrobe, funnily enough, is actually to make sure your laundry is clean and put away so that you don't have things lurking in your washing basket or in your ironing pile. Um, because what often happens is you kind of, you arrange the things that you decide to keep according to the space that you have. And then all of a sudden, when you do your washing and you bring it back in, you've got 20 other t-shirts, that's an exaggeration, yeah. <laughs> 10 other t-shirts <laughs> and tops that you need to put away. Uh, and you don't have the space for them. And then immediately your hard work is derailed. So starting with all of the clean laundry there, 
is a great way to do it. It also allows you, when you start getting into, let's say you've got an enormous t-shirt collection, you can see, okay, I have 10 plain white t-shirts. Do mm. I really need 10 plain white t-shirts? And then you can start to kind of go through that process of going, okay, well, this is my favorite. Um, this one's a little bit stained, actually. I'm going to let that one go. It becomes a bit easier to be critical when you can see that you've got 10 of them that you need to held down to a few. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's that realising the, the enjoyment of thinking, if I could just have all the clothes I love and have those accessible, the ones that I wear all the time anyway, because we all have, you know, let's say you've got 30 tops, there's probably like your top 10 that you tend to wear over and over again, if you're anything like me, and they yeah, tend to be yeah. on the top and easiest to access and all those things the freedom of actually having less clutter so you've got more space to look after what you do have and rotate through those. Yeah, really That's great. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah, if there's one final tip I can give about wardrobes, mm -hmm. um, it's to use the right hanger for the job. Um, so, and to, I know this sounds like a, um, it's a luxury and it is, but it makes a huge difference. If your coat hangers match um, the reason for this, it's psychological. You walk in there and it looks like a beautiful shop. Your own wardrobe looks like a beautiful shop with all of the hangers nice and matching, everything fitting on the hangers perfectly. It makes you want to put the clothes away. It makes you want to treat your things with respect. And that's how you avoid getting things into the wardrobe. So by using the right coat hangers and having them matchy-matchy, it's more than just an aesthetic thing. It's actually playing into our psychology of wanting to keep things nice as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. I quite like matching my things to sort of be somewhat colour coordinated. Like I do have them mostly organised by pants and then dresses and then tops and jackets. But I also yeah. within my tops, I have quite a few blues. So this kind of from dark to lighter blue and then into my whites. And, <laughs> and it looks really nice. So when I walk in there, I go, all oh, right. And it means I can more easily find the one I'm after because I know oh, I'll be somewhere in this section. So. That's, anyway, exactly that's, that's maybe getting a little bit pedantic for people that are like, oh, that sounds way over the top. But I guess that's the thing is you can picture that you can, once you can declutter and let go of some things, it gives you more freedom to actually enjoy the spaces and the things that you have that you do want to spend time, yeah, looking at, seeing, enjoying, using. That's right. That's the goal. That's the goal of decluttering. It's being able to enjoy your spaces, find them relaxing and not have that kind of stress response when, um, when we are in the spaces in our home. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Oh, Rebecca, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you. I'm sure that we could chat all day about lots more because I know <laughs> that you've got a whole stack of tips and techniques and real detail to drill down into. But if people wanted to find out more or get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? The best thing to do is go to my website, which is www.theshipshapeshop.com. Um, and there's a blog with a whole back catalogue of how-to guides, free tips, and a whole wealth of information if people are just wanting to get started on their decluttering journey. Oh, fantastic. So if you are listening on Spotify or iTunes, make sure you head over to the thrivetvshow.com. And at thrivetvshow.com, you can get all of the show notes and links through to Rebecca's resources there. So thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining us today. If you have one final tip to share with those people that are listening in that are perhaps wanting to boost their productivity and cut their clutter, what would you say? I'd love to. Touch it once. So the one touch rule, when you get something, when you open that mail, let's just think back to that pile of paper on the kitchen bench. When you open the mail, rather than putting it down, make it a little competition with yourself to only touch things once. So you open the mail, what do you need to do with it? Ask it sometimes. What do I need to do with you? And I know that sounds crazy, but it's magic almost because once you ask a question, you answer it yourself. What do I need to do with you? You're a bill. I need to pay with you. pay you. Go pay the bill.
recycle the paper, never let it get into the pile in the first place. So that tip is universal. Touch it once when you're putting things away. Touch it once when you're taking your clothes off at the end of the day, if it needs to be washed into the washing basket, needs to be hung up, hang it up, touch it once. It's kind of magical. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I have loved chatting with you. I'm sure people are feeling inspired to go out and create clutter-free spaces where they're going to relax and enjoy them. So thank you so much for everyone that's tuned in. This has been another episode of The Thrive TV Show. Go out and thrive. Thank you for listening to The Thrive TV Show with Lauren Parsons. Visit thrivetvshow.com to access the show notes and discover our fantastic bonus content. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next inspiring episode.